Leviticus chapter 5, verse 14, we come to cameo number 5. Cameo number 5, which is the guilt offering. What is the guilt offering as related to Jesus? How is it a cameo of the Christ? It shows us the provision of Christ. We have the expiation in the sin offering that He puts an end to sin, but now we come to the guilt offering. The guilt offering. It's an important word in the Hebrew. It's the word asham. If you want to just write it down to remind yourself of A-S-H-A-M. It's an important word. Remember it because we'll come back to it in just a few minutes. Asham. Guilt. The guilt offering. And it shows us, it reveals to us the provision of Christ. Verse 14. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, If a person acts unfaithfully and sins unintentionally against the Lord's holy things, then he shall bring his guilt offering to the Lord. A ram. This is the first time we've seen a ram in these offerings. A ram without defect from the flock, according to your valuation in silver by shekels, in terms of the shekel of the sanctuary for a guilt offering, and a ram would be uh, the equivalent of about two shekels. Okay. He shall make restitution for that which he has sinned against the holy thing, and shall add to it a fifth part of it, and give it to the priest. The priest shall then make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering, and it will be forgiven him. Now if a person sins and does any of the things which the Lord has commanded not to be done, though he was unaware, still he is guilty and shall bear his punishment. He is then to bring to the priest a ram without defect from the flock according to your valuation for a guilt offering and the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his error in which he sinned unintentionally and did not know it and it will be forgiven him. And you see that sentence over and over in these offerings it will be forgiven him praise God it is a guilt offering verse 19 he was certainly guilty before the Lord even if he didn't know it even if he didn't know it verse 1 of chapter 6 then the Lord spoke to Moses saying when a person sins and acts unfaithfully against the Lord and deceives his companion in regard to a deposit or a security entrusted to him or through robbery I'm sorry. Or if he has extorted from his companion, or has found what was lost, and lied about it, and sworn falsely, so that he sins in regard to any one of the things a man may do. Then it shall be, when he sins and becomes guilty, that he shall restore what he took by robbery, or what he got by extortion, or the deposit which was entrusted to him, or the lost thing which he found, or anything about which he swore falsely, he shall make restitution for it in full and add to it one-fifth more. That would be 20%. You extort some money from a person, he says, you bring your guilt offering, but as you bring that offering, you bring 20% more than what you extorted and give it back make restitution he shall give it to the one on whom it belongs the day he presents his guilt offering verse 6 he shall bring to the priest his guilt offering to the Lord a ram without defect from the flock according to your valuation for a guilt offering and the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord and he will be forgiven for any one of the things which he may have done to incur guilt we're not going to go any further but I want you to understand a couple of things before we go tonight about this guilt offering the asham the guilt offering it deals with guilt which is over sin both against the Lord and against the neighbor Jesus said the two greatest commands love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and the second is this love your neighbor as yourself loving God loving people and so this guilt offering is for guilt that is incurred not only against God but also against another person 
But you may wonder, how can a person feel guilty, as it says in verse 17, though he is unaware, still he is guilty? How can you be guilty of something you don't even know you did wrong? Is that possible? You know, sometimes I'm not sure I'm in the wrong. But my conscience nags at me and won't let me off the hook. Has that happened to you where you're not really sure you did something that was out of order or sin, but you just don't feel right about it? Your conscience keeps telling you, this is not right, this is not right. Well, it doesn't seem like it's wrong. Yeah, but this is not right. Guilt, gang, and this is fascinating to me, kind of a new concept. Guilt sometimes precedes the awareness of sin. Let me give you an example of this. The Apostle Paul was called Saul before he became Paul. You remember he was a persecutor of the church. He went after the church. He was going to take down the church. And in the book of Acts, he gets his testimony about how Jesus met him on the road of Damascus and spun him around and gave him a new lot on life and told him what he was to do for him. And it's an amazing testimony. Well, Paul shares the testimony three or four times in the book of Acts. The last time he shares it, he adds something that he doesn't share in the previous times. Let me read it to you. Acts 26, verse 14. He says, on the road to Damascus, We had all fallen to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he adds, It is hard for you to kick against the goads. What world is he talking about? Kicking against the goads. What does this mean? It means, gang, that Paul was already having an internal struggle with what he was doing. Even before Jesus stopped him in his tracks on the Damascus road, Paul was struggling with the behavior, with his actions. He was feeling that, that prick of conscience, that, oh, I, I, this doesn't feel right. Am I, is this right? No, it has to be right. I, I'm, this is not wrong. I, I'm doing this for the Lord. It must be the right thing. And yet his conscience was kicking against the goads, Jesus says. Amazing. His, his guilt preceded his awareness and Jesus knew it. And Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? It's hard to do what you're doing, isn't it? It's hard to sin like you're sinning, isn't it? Am I sinning, Lord, really? Is that the guilt that I've been feeling? Yes, Paul. That's the guilt. You didn't know it, but you were sinning. And conscience was telling you, was convicting you. You know it, don't you, Paul? Later Paul would write 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful putting me into service even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Oh, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. I was ignorant but I was guilty. Sincerity gain doesn't matter a hill of beans to the Lord. I'm really sincere in what I believe. Yeah, but if what you believe is wrong, you're still guilty. And in Paul's case, we see guilt preceding awareness of sin. He felt the sting even though he was acting in ignorance. And that nagging conscience, honestly, I hate the word conscience because that's not what's nagging at us at all, is it? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. Jesus said that when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Why concerning sin? Because they do not believe in Me. And that's ignorance. They don't believe in Jesus. 
But still they become convicted. Why would anybody come to Christ who doesn't know Him? Because the guilt, the guilt precedes the awareness of the sin. The guilt that the Holy Spirit is driving. Guilt, gang, guilt's a godly thing. I'm not talking about false guilt when you feel bad about doing something that you shouldn't feel bad about doing. I'm talking about the guilt that comes by the Holy Spirit where you begin to realize, man, I'm not supposed to be doing this even though I'm not sure that it's wrong. And my encouragement is listen. Listen to the posts and the jabs of spiritual guilt. Not false guilt. The guilt that comes by the Holy Spirit. Well, how do I know if it's really coming by the Holy Spirit? Well, you talk to Him about it. If you're feeling guilty about something, pray, Lord, is this of you? Are you the one causing me to sense these things? Are you convicting me here? Is this you? Or is it something out here that has nothing to do with you? Is it just Satan trying to bring me down? And I promise you, because I know, I've experienced this, if you ask God to reveal it, He will. If you ask God, is this your conviction? He will tell you. He will show you. He'll make it clear. Yeah, it's me. Stop it. (laughs) Turn around on your Damascus road and follow me. And if it's not of the Lord, He will free you from that. The guilt that precedes the awareness of sin. But the good news, the good news again is Christ is our guilt offering. Our provision for peace of mind. Our provision for guilt. And here's how it worked. Very quickly, two things. The guilt offering provided for releasing restitution. In the guilt offering, and we saw that in verses 4 and 5, that you have to pay restitution. This is the only offering like this. You bring the offering to the Lord, but at the same time, you make restitution for that which you are guilty for. Why? Isn't it enough? I mean, i got to pay. I thought Jesus paid for all my sins. God understands something about the human spirit. It really makes a difference for me to make it up to people when I've hurt them. It does. It changes something inside of me. It gives me a sense that not only am I forgiven, but I can do something about it. I, I, I can make a difference. Now in the guilt offering, it was you add 20%. Now if it was a sin against the Lord, then you bring the ram as your guilt offering, which was worth two shekels, and then 20% of two shekels you pay to the priest. If it was a a sin against another person and you're guilty for that, then you go back and you repay the person in the way that you sinned against them. You repay them for what you did against them and add 20% to that. Well, that seems kind of steep. It's important. God wants restitution to be something we understand, something that draws us close to Him. Restitution is as important for the offender as it is for the offended because it begins to work in me. And help me to see what I've done and understand I can do something about it. I think that's why Jesus says in Matthew 5.23, If you're presenting your gift, your offering at the altar, and there you remember your brother has something against you, leave your altar there, leave your gift there before the altar, and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. And the restitution in Israel's day, again it was five, it was the fifth, or it was twenty percent. And if that seems a little steep, God isn't just looking for guilt. He desires heart change. God's not looking for people to show up on a Sunday, get moved in a sermon, come down to the front, fall down on their knees and go, Oh, I feel so terrible! And then go right back out and live the same way they lived before. God is looking for people whose hearts are being molded and changed. And so restitution was a way to do that in the heart of an Israelite. 
You might say, well, Rick, we're not under law. No, we're not. But the principle works for you and me today. How does it work? I'm going to read something to you real quick. You just sit tight. Romans chapter 12. Paul writes in verse 9. And this is a great one just to have on the shelf ready, especially when you've sinned against someone or you're feeling guilty. Check out. Try some of these things. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. Paul says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't be haughty in mind. No, associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. And never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Well, Rick, that doesn't sound like restitution. That just sounds like heart stuff. Exactly. That's right. Let's get beyond past the law. And get to the heart, which was God's intention in the first place. Restitution for the Israelite was to restart the heart. And for us, this idea of restitution, along with repentance, is that we will go out of our way to show love and affection, especially to those whom we may have hurt. Last thing, and this is just amazing. The guilt offering not only provides for restitution and the relief that comes from it, the guilt offering provides a reminiscent ram. A ram. As I said, it's the first of these offerings where the ram is offered. Verse 15 of chapter 5 says, You offer a ram without defect from the flock. And immediately the Israelite, and I believe you and I, would be drawn back to a story. A story of the first ram that was offered. Genesis 22:13. Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place, in the place, instead of his son Isaac. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide Christ's provision. The lamb is the picture of his provision. And it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Where were they? They were on Mount Moriah, at the place of the crucifixion. A place that was called, the writer says, Moses says as he wrote those things, the Lord will provide here on this mountain. The Lord will provide. And you know, i got to ask, do you think Isaac ever looked at a ram the same way again? A ram that was sacrificed. Isaac was bound to the altar, laid out on the wood, ropes around him, his father's hand held high with the dagger ready to be plunged into his heart. Isaac, who probably at the time was in his 30s, and able certainly to fight back if he wanted to, Watching the flash of that knife as his father's hand is stayed and his father looks and there's the ram. There is a ram. The Lord will provide. And Isaac was spared that day, but the ram wasn't. And then, played out in reality on the same mountain, there was another son sacrificed by another father and this son was not replaced by a ram. The son was Jesus Christ. And it was His blood that was poured out. The provision for all of our sin. 
Andrew Bernard says Ishmael may have mocked at the ram caught in the thicket, but not so Isaac who had been bound with the cords of death. And the writer of Proverbs chapter 14 verse 9, Solomon says, Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is good will. It's a great verse to dig a little deeper in because it's not what it seems. Fools mock at Asham. Fools mock at the guilt offering. Uh, fools make fun of the guilt offering. Fools say, guilt schmelt. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to a psychiatrist to figure out how I can just get away from guilt and not feel bad about anything I've ever done. Fools mock at Asham, at the guilt offering, but among the upright there is delight. The word is translated. The foolish and the upright, what's the difference? Andrew Bernard says, with Israel, as with us, there were many who saw no meaning or reason in God's offerings. Want of true conviction of sin made them despise these types. While the godly, listen to this, who felt their loins filled with a grievous disease, found in these offerings their daily refreshment. None go to the hiding place who fear no storm. The stream flows by unheeded when the traveler on its banks is not thirsty, and the healthy will not use the physician. However, sense of sin renders Jesus precious to the soul. And when you and I, like Isaac, are upon the altar where we deserve to be, and the ram of sacrifice, Jesus Christ, takes our place, we begin to have a sense of how precious is the blood of Jesus. Fools mock guilt. For those who have experienced Jesus, who understand forgiveness, who have seen the ravages of sin and felt its weight lifted, they delight in the asham, the guilt offering, which we know to be Christ, our provision. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for providing for us in this way. So we wander through these offerings, and Father, these just amazing pictures that we have seen tonight cameos of Christ that are so clear so obvious that you were drawing this palette writing this book authoring these pages so long ago and it's somewhat overwhelming tonight Father that we realize sitting here that we are part of the reason why you did that that we might have a fuller awareness a fuller awareness of your grace your mercy of your provision in Jesus may we understand more every day not only the guilt and the weight of sin but Father the preciousness of that blood that was spilt for us And with all the saints and with all the angels who surround your throne, may we one day cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb that was slain, our Ram of provision. God, thank you. And God, bless each of us tonight as we go out of here. Be with us. And help us to chew on and think about these things for the week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.